This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Prime Spark, the podcast that brings you conversations that inspire, celebrate, and empower women over 55. The second women's revolution is here, and it is time for us to fuel a spark that will ignite your way forward, illuminate your path, and reflect your gifts in the world. Now, here is your host for Prime Spark, Sarah Hart. Hi, and welcome to Prime Spark. I'm Sarah Hart, and I'm so happy you're here with us. Prime Spark is designed for women over 55 with a goal to help us have an active, rewarding life from now forward. The mission of Prime Spark is to change the way our society sees and treats older women. That is a big mission. So what that means is that we all need to be involved in whatever way we would be comfortable with, and we need to start now. Today, I have the great pleasure of talking with Sky Bergman, a woman whom and whose work I greatly admire. Sky Bergman is an accomplished, award-winning photographer. Lives well-lived is Sky's directorial debut. Her fine artwork is included in permanent collections at the Los Angeles County Museum of Art, Brooklyn Museum, Seattle Art Museum, Santa Barbara Museum of Art, and the Bibliothèque Nationale de France. Her commercial work has appeared on book covers for Random House and Ferrar Strasse-Gerot, and magazine spreads in Smithsonian, Arthur Fermer's Budget Travel, Reader's Digest, and Archaeology Odyssey. Skye is currently a professor of photography and video at Cal Poly State University in San Luis Obispo, California. Welcome, Skye. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, this is, I'm so happy you're here. Thank you so much. So in getting started, that wonderful sign you have behind you, Lives Well Lived, this is a magnificent film. Um, it, is, it is just so rewarding and wonderful. So why don't you tell us, describe it so that we know what, what you're talking about and then talk a little bit about what was your inspiration for the sure. film? Sure, yeah, well, I can, I can kind of morph those two into one thing. So um, I am lucky enough that I had a, an incredible, incredible grandparents, but in particular, an incredible grandmother who lived to be 103. And when she was 99, getting ready to turn 100, um, she was still working out at the gym. And I thought I'd better film this because nobody's going to believe that almost 100, she's still working out. And by the way, she didn't start working out until she was 80. So it is never too late to start something new. And um, so I filmed her and um, I, I was looking at approaching 50 and what was the rest of my life going to look like? And I really did not in the media see very many good role models. Everything about aging was negative or what you could do to avoid aging. And here was my grandmother who was embracing it. And I really thought, 
I want to find other people like they're out there, like my grandmother, who's as much an inspiration to me and to somebody else. So I sent an email blast out to my friends, family, and all the alum that I've taught over the many years I've been at Cal Poly. And I said, here's this little one minute video clip of my grandmother at the gym. And if you have somebody in your life, like my grandmother, please nominate them for this project. I didn't know, know I was going to do a film. And I was just inundated by heartwarming nominations of amazing people from all over the country. And I ended up uh, spending the next four years interviewing 40 people that were 75 and older with a collective life experience of 3000 years. And I put this film together and really, like I said, I didn't know it was going to be a, a film until I started doing some more um, interviews and I kind of got in the thick of it. And I just realized I needed to make a feature length film, that this needed to be seen by a wider audience. And that that was that was what I did. And I so four years and 40 people later, I had a film. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. You know, I, I, it's interesting when you say about um, all this stuff about aging is, is sort of anti-aging. And I've read a fun thing, not recent, not too long ago, that said anti-aging is sort of like anti-breathing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just, what's the alternative? Really? What's exactly. Alternative? I mean, you, know, you, know, you, really? can either, you can either age or you cannot be alive. So <laughs> we're all aging, no matter how young we are, right. we are all aging. And I think that that's something that is really important to remember that we want to have positive role models of aging and not this, what we hear in the media about how can we not age because, or how can we stop the aging process or, you know, that. Um, I think is is really works against everyone, really. Yes, I, I I agree. I think it all it does is make us unhappy with where we are or where we're going, and that doesn't do anybody any good. So okay. so you found all these people just by asking people if they had anybody. Is that right? Well, it started off that way. And um, and then I was interviewing Marion Wolf, who, for those of you that have not seen the film, she talks about because I should back up a moment. When I started the film, I thought I was going to be collecting the wisdom of all these wonderful people, which I, I do believe that that was a big part of it. But I also realized I was collecting the stories of this generation that were going to be lost unless they were collected. So that became another twist to what is um, really interwoven in the film. And Marion Wolf is one of those people who um, she was eight years old when she came. She was living in Vienna, Austria, and she came on the very first kinder transport from Vienna, Austria to the United Kingdom. At that point, that was during war, right before World War II, and the Quakers in the United Kingdom saved uh, 10,000 Jewish children and um, put them into foster homes and, and really saved them from what would have been probably a fate, um, as we all know, how many, um, how many people were lost during World War II, how many Jewish families were lost. And so um, she had, they put this cardboard number around her neck when she was transported. And she still had that number when I was interviewing her. Uh -huh. And it was this moment, and I still get chills, it was that moment where I realized this is something bigger than what I thought it was going to be. And this is much more, um, I really have to think about it in a much bigger way. And at that moment, I also realized that I wanted to make sure I was including a really diverse group of stories. And so, for example, one of the stories in the, in the film is actually the story of Susie Edo Bauman, who, although she was born in this country, was of Japanese descent 
and was interned during World War II. And that became important to also look inward at our own country and what did we do within our own country at that time period? Because I feel like we hopefully can learn from our mistakes moving forward, but we do have to look inward in order to make that happen. So there were some people that I really sought out because I wanted to make sure that I had a diverse group of stories. But the initial call was just from an email blast to all those people and just saying, hey, I have this crazy idea and please nominate somebody. And, you know, I think that that's a good lesson. If you have an idea, follow that passion and you never know where it's going to lead you. Did I think it was going to lead to creating a feature length film or to now having it air on PBS? Not a chance. I mean, that was just it was just this flicker of an idea that I knew I had to follow. Well, I think it is um, a brilliant flicker of an idea, and I'm so glad you followed it. And I was thinking this morning, I, I knew we were going to be talking, and I was thinking, and I thought, I wish I had captured a video of my mother and father before they died. Mm-hmm. Um, and I could have done that. I could not have made a video like of my grandparents because I just didn't have the wherewithal to do that at that point. But I did have with my parents and it never occurred to me. Mm-hmm. And that moment is gone. Yeah. And so one of the things I was thinking was, oh, I hope people get inspired by what Sky has done to do their own um, just for themselves, take their own videos. That is so easy to do right now. Just, you know, do it. Don't lose it. It is. And, and I'll tell you another little story. So one of the um, places on our website, there's, there's a place where you can share your story, the story of your loved one. Because I realized after I interviewed 40 people that I, everybody started telling me about these amazing people. And I knew I had to cut it off or I would never get the film done. But I also realized that there was this need to share people's stories And so to be more inclusive, that is a way to do that. And I think the hardest thing when you're uh, talking about doing an interview of somebody or collecting somebody's story is to know where to start. So here on the website, there are the questions that I asked in the film, and that's just a starting point. And um, just as a a little aside, uh, I would usually have a student go with me when I would interview, just mostly so they could learn how to do the process and how to make things happen. And I had this one student named James, who uh, went with me to interview Lucky Louie, who Lucky Louie uh, makes mozzarella every morning for his daughter's deli. He's an amazing guy and, and very talkative and has a great storyteller. And James and I went out to lunch after we did the interview, and he said to me, wow, I never knew older people could talk so much. And I mean, I just kind of thought that was pretty funny because I grew up with my grandparents and all their friends. And But he really was being very serious. And I, I said to him, well, James, don't you have somebody in your life that is an older adult that you can talk to? He said, well, I have a grandfather, but we don't really talk that much. And it was coming up on Thanksgiving weekend and he was going to see his grandfather that weekend. And I said, here's your homework assignment. And I could do this because I was his teacher. And I said, here's your assignment. I want you to take these questions that we just used to ask Lucky Louie, all these, you know, get these wonderful answers. And I want you to take these questions and I want you to sit down with your grandfather over the weekend and have a conversation with him and use these questions as your starting point. And he came back from that trip beaming from ear to ear. His grandfather was so excited that he cared and wanted to ask those questions. And it really was that they, neither one of them knew how to start the conversation. And that so often happens in families that, you know, you think you're gonna have forever. And really the, one of the questions that I asked all the people in the film is what, do you have any regrets? The biggest regret 
was not asking somebody a question that had since passed away and that they would never be able to answer that question. So I would say to everyone who's listening, you know, use my questions, use whatever questions, but sit down, like take that moment to be curious and to open up that floodgate and to ask those questions because you will not believe how amazing of an experience it is both for you and the person that you're asking the questions of. They feel validated and feel like their life is worth something because somebody cares enough to ask them and is curious about their life. And I think that that was a really important lesson to learn throughout doing this film. And to remember that you've got one shot at it. I mean, you've got one shot while they're still alive and don't, don't lose that. Don't lose that. And lucky Louie, I fell in love with Lucky Louie. Oh, what a wonderful man. Oh. So all of you must see this film on PBS in September. Is there a date yet, uh, Sky? Do you know? It's, it's starting to air September 1, and each um, regional station is airing it anytime after September 1 with a big push for Grandparents Day. But it's also going to be on PBS Passport. So if you are a member of PBS, you'll be able to see it on that. You'll be able to stream it on that as well. Well, you must see that, everybody, because um, <clears throat> it is really priceless. And there are some amazing characters. And um, I, I just fell in love with several of the men and women. But Lucky Louie really stood out. And um, it was <laughs> he was the breakout star for sure. <laughs> <laughs> he really was. I think he has a career if he wants, a, if he wants another one besides baking. Yes, Absolutely. So all these people you spoke to, they just had, they had just heartwarming and hard to listen to and happy and wonderful and sad stories. And what did you, I don't know, what, would, what did you learn from them or what did you come away with or, or however you want to talk about that? Yeah, well, I think that the, the three things that all the people in the film had in common, which I think, you know, we all want to be happy and, and feel like um, our, our, as we age, that we're still doing well. And, and so the, th the three things, the commonalities, which I think kept these people going and with such positive outlooks was that number one, which I think is the most important is that they all had a sense of purpose. And I think it's so, that's such an important lesson because you know we talk about our golden years and those years after we retire, but many people don't plan for what they're gonna do in their golden years. And so I think, having that sense of purpose, whether for Lucky Louie, it's getting up and making mozzarellas for his daughter's deli every day, or Marion and Paul Wolf, who still go to high schools or online now to uh, talk to students and educate them about World War II, whatever it is, whatever your sense of purpose is, I think that that's really important to figure that out and that to, so that you feel useful. And, um, and then the second thing that I think was really important is that they all had a sense of community and that community did not necessarily have to be family. It could also be friends. And I think that having that sense of other people um, around you, even in this pandemic where, uh, for example, Paul Wolf, uh, it was Marion's 90th birthday and he figured out a way to do a Zoom birthday party for her. And so there are ways to figure out how to still have that sense of community, even in this moment where things are kind of a little all over the place, but they, I think you, you don't let those things be obstacles, they're challenges instead of obstacles. And, and then I think lastly is that, you know, the people in the film, they all went through these really uh, trying times, but 
they all have this attitude of the glass being half full rather than half empty. And I think that that really, although it's a cliche, I do think that that helped get them through some of the really tough times and humor. Um, a lot of the people in the film talk about humor being a really important component of helping them get through the tough times. And then I think um, Evie Justison, who's in the film, says it best when she talks about um, reading Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. And her takeaway really from that book was that there are many times when you cannot control the things that are happening around you, but what you can control is your attitude about how you deal with that. So for example, we've all been going through this pandemic and how, but how we deal with that and our attitude um, really has made a big difference on, on how we each individually have made it through during this really rough time. And, um, and that has been really a very important lesson for me during this time, for sure. That, that's interesting, Sky, because in, in you know this, in um, all the research on uh, healthy aging, um, those are the factors that are found over and over and again, but purpose, community, attitude, I mean, health, obviously, but um, though, I mean, it just keeps coming up over and over again. And those are the things that help us continue mm -hmm. living and continue living well, not just, not just hanging on, but continue right. living well. Yeah. And I will say about health, I mean, you know, not everyone in the film is in great shape. There are some people that are amazing and, you know, you have Emmy Cleves who's still doing yoga. She's just turned 93 and, um, you know, there are those, but there are also a lot of people who, like, for example, I'd ask Lou how he's doing. He's 97. He'd say, well, it's not like when I was 95. I mean, you know, you know, your body is not going to be like it was when it was younger, but it's how do you deal with that? And, and my dad was actually in the film and he is a practicing geriatric physician from a wheelchair because he had a stroke about 10 years ago. And what's interesting to me is uh, my lesson from my dad is that he's actually happier now than he was before because he's more grateful for the things that he still can do rather than um, you know, thinking about all these things that he can't do. And so I think it's just, again, your shift in your attitude. We all know our bodies are not, my body's not what it was in its 20s and its 40s, I'm 55 now, but instead I'm just grateful for the things that I can do. And I think you had, uh, those people that can adjust and adapt are the ones that I think do do the best for sure. That woman you mentioned with the yoga, I could not do what she is doing now when I was 20. Yeah, that me neither. <laughs> My goodness, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think certain people's bodies are just that way. But you know what I say, I love doing yoga. And one of the reasons that I included her in the film was that I wanted a role model of somebody that was still doing the yoga that I have done since I've been in my uh, like 20s. And, um, and then there was this whole other story that was amazing about her that I didn't even know. But um, I always say that, you know, whatever it is that you figure out that you love doing in terms of exercise, it doesn't matter whether it's yoga or running or swimming, just do it. You know, my grandmother had a phrase, move it or lose it. She would do her little exercise bike, lift her little weights, but she was moving and moving her body. And I think that that is the important thing is just to kind of do what you can and do what you love doing. Don't do something that you really dread doing because you're going to, I mean, why, why spend your time doing something you dread? I love doing yoga and I actually really love doing it. And I love walking. And those are the two things that I do because I enjoy it while I'm doing it. And the side effect is I'm getting some great exercise and I'm helping my, you know, stay myself, stay healthy. 
Um, but you definitely want to pick something that you really enjoy doing. Right. I mean, we have to do every once in a while enough things we don't particularly want to do, let right. alone choose to do things that we don't particularly want to do. Exactly. That was interesting. I had um, a couple of years ago, I had a radio show called Prime Spark. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions I would often ask the, the women was, um, are you aware of getting older? Mm-hmm. And 99.9% of them, and these are all women except for two or three, all women at least over 50. And they, they would say, I'm very aware of it physically. Um, I can't do things I used to be able to do. Or when I get up in the morning, my knees really hurt and they didn't use to, or whatever. So they would say that. And then they would say, but other than that, mm-hmm. I feel more alive. I feel happier. Um, I feel more me than I've ever felt before. Yeah, I think there is something about um, that phrase of being more comfortable in your own skin that sort of starts happening where, you know, when you're younger and people in the film talked about this, you're so worried about what other people think and um, so worried about saying or doing the wrong thing. And when you reach a certain age, at least for me, that has been the case. um, I just I, I don't worry about that anymore. And that weight has been lifted. And I think that that's quite a gift that we can give ourselves is to um I mean, I wish I could tell younger people <laughs> don't, but I think you have to get to that point where you feel confident enough in yourself and comfortable enough in your own skin to feel that way. Well, hopefully as time goes along and more, more and more of us um, realize the importance of healthy aging and letting people know about it, hopefully we'll begin changing that. Um, I was reading yesterday that the group of people who seem to be most negative about age, getting older, aging, are um, midlife people. And that is because those are so many of the models that are represented for us in the media. Mm-hmm. And so if, as we start changing that and showing more people like you show, show in your film, um, we hope, hope that can change because that is the direction we're all heading, I hope. Um, so... Yeah. And what, you know, one of the things just, um, you know, kind of parlaying off of that, one of the things that I read um, in doing the research for my film is that the last hundred years is the first time we've looked to anyone other than our elders for advice. And I really feel the world is suffering as a result. And so for me, one of the things that I have done um, with the film is to create these intergenerational projects that use the Lives Will Live film as a catalyst. And we've been doing this throughout high schools and universities across the country where we show the film to older adults and to students. Um, we do a Q&A. They get to know each other. We pair them up. They use the questions that I formulated for the film to get to know each other. And it's a bilateral communication. They spend the whole quarter or semester meeting. And then we do a big rap party where they learn a lot about each other. But they also it breaks down the stereotypes. It's a lot harder to have stereotypes about the other group when you don't. And then when you know somebody from that other group, it's a lot harder to have that stereotype and that ism because now you have a friend who might be in their 80s or somebody in their 80s might have a friend who's in their 20s. And so it breaks down those barriers in both directions. And I think to your point of, you know, how do we um, how do we change that that dialogue, it's really about creating more of these intergenerational connections and projects that bring the generations together so that they're not in these separate distinct categories, but we're all one group of people. And when you learn from um, an older adult or an older adult learns from a younger person, I mean, it's just, it's, it's such a joy to see that happen. 
So that's been the next like big, uh, big project that I've been working on. And I'm very happy because PBS Learning Media is going to have on their site in November how to create these intergenerational projects using the film. Um, we've worked with Senior Planet over this last year when we were all virtual and, and doing these projects. And it's just been wonderful. That's been such a gift to propel that forward. And, you know, it all started from a love of my grandmother, which is such a wonderful thing. I love that. And I think, uh, do I, am I remembering this wrong? But is there information on your website if somebody wanted to do one of those intergenerational things? Is there information there about how to get started with that? Absolutely. There is. We have um, a take action button and you can go there and see the intergenerational projects. And then we have a whole learning module that you can plug and play into a high school or a university. We've been working with classes um, like psychology of aging or gerontology, social science classes that deal with aging and very successfully because here is instead of just reading about it in a textbook, you're actually talking to somebody and meeting with somebody. And it really dispels a lot of the myths that people have about aging. So it's been really wonderful to work on that. And just specifically, so people have it, what is your website? It's lives-well-live.com. But if you type in lives will live to Google, it, it's the first thing that comes up. Okay, good. Well, um, that, uh, that part of what um, I watched, I was just so uplifting. I mean, the whole thing was, but that was, I thought, yes. And, and anybody could do that in their community. You know, we, we could just keep doing that. That could just grow. And, um, and I remember when um, you mentioned about that this was the first hundred years that we haven't um, looked to our elders. And I was stunned by that. And I thought, well, Look, I mean, I am full of hope and I'm just a, an inveterate Pollyanna and so forth and so on. But there are a lot of ways our world is sort of a mess right now, actually. And so let's try it. You know, let's let's just try it. Let's try getting these um, the wisdom of our older relatives first um, and then their friends and so forth. So. Yeah, and you know, there are a lot of people that don't have an older adult in their lives. I mean, there are a lot of people that are separated by many miles because maybe their grandparents live on one coast and they live on another. And um, so it's nice when you can sometimes have these projects that take the place of that. And there are so many organizations that are doing this. I mean, what I'm doing is not a novel idea, but I think that um, the nice thing about the way that we're doing it is when people watch the film, it opens, especially for students, it opens them up to meeting an older adult because they realize that in the film, you see people that are that younger age. And so they connect in a very different way. And it's a very firsthand experience of what people go through. And I think that that um, definitely helps connect in a, in a really interesting way. I mean, it's, it, the person that I've worked with here at the university at Cal Poly, she actually did her whole dissertation on whether or not using this module versus another one where they didn't use the film, what worked better? And the film really made a difference in terms of helping to make that connection. Oh. And also it sparked um, like the students that worked on it that do have grandparents, it sparked them to wanting to know more about their grandparents. Like they hadn't really even thought about doing an interview with their grandparents. And many of them said, oh, we're, we can't wait to now do this with our grandparents. So it's wonderful on so many different levels. Yeah, I, I think that I, I can't imagine somebody watching that film 
and not being uh, motivated to find out more from any older people they have that they have access to. And it is sad that some younger people don't. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, for those who do, because I think one of the things the film does is um, open up the possibility of what is inside that person that I never had any idea might be there. It exactly. never, I never knew that might be there. So. Exactly. Yes. And often when, when I was showing the film in person, one of the questions that I would ask the audience after a screening is how many of you are thinking of somebody who would have been perfect for the film or you would have been perfect for the film and 99% of the hands would go up. So, you know, that exactly what you're saying, people watch the film and they think of somebody in their own lives who would have been perfect for the film. And that's wonderful. I mean, I think if that, if that's all that happens as a result of the film, that's a good thing too. <laughs> that is a very good thing. So Sky, tell me what at this point is your definition of a life well-lived? Yeah, that's a good question. And, you know, I've asked all these other people this question, so um, I should be prepared to answer it myself. And I I would say my grandmother was a huge influence on me. And her way of thinking was just to always be kind. If you have two choices to be kind or not, it's always better to be kind. And so I would say um, living a life where you're kind to other people, that's the definition of a life well lived. Love it. Love it. Every once in a while when I wake up in the morning and I'm feeling a little more grumpy than sometimes I am, I think, okay, Sarah, today, at least you cannot make anybody's life worse. <laughs> you know, <laughs> at a minimum, just don't make their life worse. <laughs> yeah, but it is, it is truly amazing when you do something kind for somebody else, how much better you feel. I mean, yes. it's really, it's an amazing um, way of being in the world and it, you give a gift, but you get a gift every time you're kind. Yes. Absolutely. So the next thing you're working on is just more of this intergenerational. Is that right? Or do you have another inkling in your mind of something that might be next? Well, I've done two short films, which are working their way around the film festival circuit. One is called Forever Voters, which is all about the League of Women Voters going into high schools to encourage um, high school students to register or pre-register to vote. And again, I love that intergenerational connection. And, um, and I interviewed the students about what was important and why did they want to vote. And I think that that was also, there's this myth that maybe those the, that particular age group doesn't care about voting and that could not be further from the truth. And so to hear their voices as well. But I know in my household, um, you know, my grandmother grew up in a time when women didn't have the right to vote. And so we never took that for granted. So when I heard what the League of Women Voters was doing, I had to document that. And um, the other short film is called Mochisuki, and it was inspired by Susie Edelbaumann, who's in the Lives Well Live film. Her family gets together the week between Christmas and New Year's, and they have a Mochisuki ceremony to bring in the New Year's, which is all about making mochi. And it's this beautiful process of pounding rice and making mochi balls, and all the generations come together. And so my idea for my next feature film is really to springboard off of this short film, which is all about, you know, this country is created from a a group of immigrants. We're all immigrants. When you look back far enough and we're all immigrants, but what are the traditions that we have kept in this country through food that bring the generations together? And so I think that will be the next um, film that I'll I'll work on, the next feature film. Oh, that's exciting. And it's also extremely timely in in the times we're living in right now. 
Absolutely. So anything else at all you would like to say before we come to a close? No, I just, you know, I would like to encourage those of you in the audience that are listening, you know, if you know somebody that you would are curious about, that's an older adult in your life, interview them, take the time. I was so blessed to take four years to turn off all my devices and really just listen. And you can learn so much. My life has been forever enriched because I did that. And, um, and also if you're an older adult, maybe just write your story out because you never know how precious that will be. I mean, I know I look at my grandmother's writing and it just warms my heart to see it. And so you never know what you leave behind, how much that can mean to somebody, but it's so important that sharing of knowledge and, of, um, and that intergenerational connectedness in whatever way that we can have it, I would encourage you to, to make that happen. Hopefully I've encouraged you and inspired you to make that happen. I think you have, Scott, because what I just thought of, well, wouldn't it be fun to have the older person ask their uh, grandchildren to help them learn how to record it uh, audible uh, so that it is in, in sound, not just written. Absolutely. And, um, you know, when I need to know anything, I try to find somebody who's 13 to teach me. And so... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, well, that's our time today. Um, please join us again on the Prime Spark podcast. I just love having people here and listening and learning. You can find out more about Prime Spark at www.primesparkwomen.com. Um, thank you so much to my guest, Sky Bergman. And don't forget, you can see her film, Lives Well Lived on PBS beginning in September. Please look for it. You will be so glad you took the time to watch it. So thank you for being with us. Take care, spread tolerance and love. Thank you and goodbye. Thank you for joining us on Prime Spark. With each episode, Sarah Hart brings you conversations that inspire, celebrate, and empower women over 55. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes about remarkable, experienced women, go to EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. The second women's revolution is here, and we hope that you use the insights you've gained here to fuel the spark that will ignite your way forward, illuminate your path, and reflect your gifts in the world. Have you ever asked yourself this question, why is it so hard to make a buck? <laughs> I know I have. Hi, I'm Sandra Yancey, founder and CEO of eWomen Network. What I have discovered after going from the brink of bankruptcy to running a multi-million dollar award-winning business is this. You can't build a million dollar dream hanging around minimum wage mindsets. My mission is one million women entrepreneurs generating one million dollars in annual revenue. So here's what I've done. I've created the mother of all entrepreneur success programs that you can access online on your time. 
It's called Monetize Me Now. It's a seven-module online course that is 100% my success formula, covering mindset, mission, management, motivation, marketing, and measure. Come on, take my hand and I'll show you the way to learn to earn flowing revenue for your business. Visit monetizemenow.com for details. Calling all speakers. eWomen Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help one million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast Network.